Are you looking for truth from God's word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Clarity Christian College, formerly known as Florida Bible College. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. You don't go through your prayer chart. You don't pray for the missionaries. You don't pray for your personal needs. You don't pray for your family. Now, you've done that in a few minutes, but you let it alone. And try this, folks. This is a... The sages used to call this disciplines. Today, we might call it a habit. Whatever it is, it can be a struggle. But then take a moment, and after you've talked to the Lord, after you've spent a few moments reading His Word, if you will sit in holy silence before him as a leader and just listen to what he might have for you at that moment if you don't mind I'd like to su suggest that our life would be balanced with our time with people which we have plenty of that and then also our time alone with God if you will look at Luke chapter 5 verse 15 and 16 and here's what you read in one translation it says now news about Jesus spread even more and crowds came to hear him and to be healed but Jesus often slipped away to be alone so he could pray when I was doing a study on the original language for that passage I don't know what translation you have on your lap in your Bible but one that I found that seemed to be the most in agreement with multiple Greek scholars said it this way and the reason I want to unpack this is because I am so passionate about a person's quiet time with God as it helps them as a leader because we need to hear from the leader of leaders the Lord this is coming from Lenski and here's what he says and how he's translated verse 15 and verse 16 it says but more the report concerning Christ kept spreading and great crowds kept coming together to hear him and to be healed from their ills but he himself kept going quietly to lonely places and praying now that's a great theological illustration of a truth. Now how can we apply it for our life? Obviously we're not the Lord. But maybe some of you have a particular career where people have to come to you for advice. You're in a profession, whether it's medical or whether it's legal or whether it's accounting, where people are clamoring after you all the time. Or perhaps you're not that, but you are a stay-at-home mom that's just as important, but you're being clamored upon from your kids. Mommy, open this. Daddy, would you answer this question? Mommy, would you listen to me here? Daddy, can I show you that? And it seems like wherever you go, people are coming to you. Now, we can go through almost every career, whatever you might do, but people are after you to either sell you, ask you, request something from you. So in a sense, I'm glad this was in Scripture so we could then look to the leader of leaders who had many people to come. And if you notice, it said so that he would heal them of their ills. So you're in a profession so that you would provide them sound advice. That's like healing. A mother that would maybe make the path straighter or the burden lighter for the child. Whatever it might be, they're coming to you so you would change their world. And probably it's because something's wrong and they're desperate. And so they're more desperate for you. So they come to you with a request that's more pointed. Now it goes on to say this, but he himself kept going quietly to lonely places and praying. None of us in here would say that he rejected his responsibility or his service spirit to help these people, but he knew how to posture himself to make sure that he would model for us what leaders would do. Now his tank was filled spiritually, physically he would get tired. So he showed us that when people come, what do we do? We still need to 
take authority over our calendar, our smartphones, and say we need to back away for, for a while. And I love the way it says in the Greek, as often as they kept coming to him, he kept going to a quiet place. Now it sounds like as they were running after him, Jesus was running away from him. I don't want you to think that. Although, if you unpack this passage and other passages, you will see that they really were. As often as he tried to get alone, they did chase after him. But the model was still getting alone to get our thoughts together so we could hear from God and what he would have for us. The principle of concentration. Focus on what's important, not nearly or merely what's urgent. All right, let's go to number six, the principle of meditation. Do I continue to listen to the Lord? Now, it's very simple to focus on the Lord, but if I focus on God, the emphasis is still, I need to listen to Him. And I pray that we do that. I pray that we do that on a regular basis. So let me go on a little bit further. <clears throat> when you uh, listen to the Lord and you want to hear from Him, something that's helped me. Now, again, what I do does not necessarily mean you have to do what I do, but I will just share with you on a personal basis. Um, I have a three three-word question that I ask the Lord periodically throughout the day. Would you like to know what it is? Pick at your own question, but this works for me. Lord, what next? That's all. Lord, what next? Sometimes, Lord, what now? Now, I want you to know I never hear an audible voice from God, so you can relax on that. And often, I often don't get a, an impression that, okay, Stan, you got to go do this. When I don't get any formal impression of some type or I don't have a time to clear out the cobweb, I'm sensing, I keep moving, but I do pause, Lord, what now, what next? So I will keep moving, and after a while, I'll pause again, what now, what next? You'll be amazed at how many of you will email me, and some of you will be amazed how many emails I get here and all over the country, and how many phone calls we get at our house, and most of those, before I respond, it's not a long prayer, folks. It's simply, Lord, what now? What next? What do I say? What do I do? I mean, I just encourage you to maybe begin to discipline yourself to not just throw words out there. I mean, focus on the Lord. Is he listening to you? And then say those things and wait just a moment and see if that hasn't, it doesn't help you. Now, may I share this? I have not always done that. I look back over my life and the, the majority of the mistakes that I've made in leadership has been because I've relied too much on who I am, what I knew, too much on impulsivity, and I would just plow ahead and do it and not take a moment and say, Lord, what now? What next? What do I say? What do I do? Now, does that mean every time I do that? No. But I want to practice the presence of God as a leader, and how important it is to continually listen to the Lord. I think one of the single greatest sources of stress in our life, this is my opinion now, is when I'm disconnected from the Lord. When I am operating in the flesh, trying to make the decisions or do the things that I want to do that satisfies what I think should be done, because it's all about me, you know what I'm saying, I get into a tremendous amount of stress. And when I have stress, it snowballs in my life. And I pray for you folks that we would now sense the presence of God. This um, last year, every, let me say it this way, every year at Christmas, when we get together for dinner with the deacons and the, el the, deacons and the pastors here, 
um, we, um, I like to give them a book. One book was on spiritual leadership by Henry Blackaby and his son. I would encourage you to get that book if you want it. The next was a book on spiritual leadership by J. Oswald Sanders called Spiritual Leadership. Probably the defining classic of all books on leadership. This last year I gave a book that was really an abridged version of a book by Swindoll on being intimate with God. About two weeks ago, someone mailed me a book from overseas, and uh, it was called Victory in Christ. It was a great book. It's probably the best book I've ever read that went deep enough on the deeper life, but not so deep that you would drown in stuff that were too complicated for you to ever to put together. And as I read through that, it just reminded me one more time how important as a leader being intimate with the Lord really is. And you can go through the disciplines of praying and fasting and meditating on scripture and all of that, but watch this. If that doesn't drive you to holiness by seeing how wicked we are, how sinful we are, how the little foxes that we sometimes tolerate are really spoiling the vines, like choking us out from spiritual fruit. So I hope that that would encourage you. I want to end with the seventh principle now. This is called the principle of relaxation. It's very simpler, similar to the ones I've just said, but I want to take it away from the depth of so much time just in the Word. I want to get a little bit more simple and talk about, do I take time to recharge? If you would look at Mark chapter 6, verse 31, and here's what it says. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. Why did he say that to his disciples? He said it because many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. Well, here's my question. Have you felt a time in your life where that so many people were coming or so many issues were being brought to you that you did not have time to have lunch? Or you were so busy that you didn't even have breakfast because you had to zip out of the house? Or some of you, your answer for a dinner was a bowl of popcorn late before you went to sleep. You were so busy. And so the Lord was telling them, that's exactly what's happening to you guys because so many were coming to you. So he says this to them. He says, I want you to go away to a private place to rest. He didn't say a solitary place to pray, a solitary place so I can teach you some more. He says, I want you to just go to a place to rest. Now, if you look at that Greek word rest, it actually meant that you would have an emotional, physical downtime where you didn't have to do anything to produce, but what you did was to charge and recharge you. And I thought, that is so powerful. We've often heard, as pastors going to pastors' conferences, that when pastors have been given out because leaders give out so much, and we're just an example of many other leader styles out there, leader positions, but after you give out so much, your tank can be so dry, and there is a time of crisis where you don't have all the time to get into the Word, you don't have time to rest, but if you do not take authority over that, Satan has taken authority over you, and when your tank is dry, he's done that, so now his temptation can come to you so quickly and so easily that while your tank is empty, your eyes then become off of the Lord, and it's easy for him to parade anything in front of you to distract you or destroy you in your walk with God. And so the Lord, knowing that they were so busy, they couldn't even physically eat, so physically their bodies weren't getting the nourishment, which means now they were really low, he knew Satan could, have, could get to them. Now stay with me on this, this is very important. What I didn't give you is the rest of the passage in which that verse is found. It is not a parable, this really happened. If you read the rest, this is what I found so interesting. 
It said, as they got into the boat and they were going to this quiet place, the multitudes ran after them. They didn't run on the water because Jesus and the guys were in the boat. So they had to run around the lake to do that. And it was about four miles across the lake where they were going, but 10 miles around the lake, had to cross over the Jordan River, a lot of rocks. So these guys were running after Jesus and the disciples. And it said that, in that scripture, it said, and they got there before them. Now, there's a great debate on did they really get there before them or did they get ahead of them? How did they really go? But here's my point. Busy, get quiet, get in the boat, rest. And yet, even when they purposed to do that, the crowd still kept chasing them. Now, here's what I took out of that. That even at the times that you say, I'm going to have my time to get quiet with the Lord so I have my spiritual time. And yes, I'm going to take a time to get alone or get with my, my significant group but our time is to be to reflect, recharge, and refresh that you still would be clamored after by other people. Now stay with me on this thought. As I thought about Jesus telling them to do that, and they got in the boat, and these people ran to go do that, here's the uniqueness about the boat. They did go to the other side, and they were met with all these people that wanted more out of them. But on the boat, there was no cell phones, there was no email, how long did it take them to go four miles? We know that it could be pretty quick if the seas were relatively calm and the, way, and the wind was behind them. Or it could take them a little bit longer, but the bottom line was this. While they might not have gotten to a quiet place on the other side of the lake, the Lord did give them a quiet place in the boat so that they would still have that quiet time. When I read that, I reflected on a book that I read some 25 years ago by Dr. Archibald Hart called Adrenaline and Stress. And he said that adrenaline plus stress equals stroke. And then in this book, he's a Christian doctor, he goes on to talk about why is it that we see so many people today that are just stroked out physically, emotionally, spiritually, and all the rest because we cannot get away from the crowds. He then went back and he said, what about the people like Jonathan Edwards and George Whitfield and some of you that are new, these are great men that are our heritage here in America. And then you went to D.L. Moody and some of these guys. Where they went, they had to either go in a stagecoach, a carriage, a horse, or they walked wherever they went. They did not have all the mail coming at them, all the phone calls, all the text messages, all the tweets coming at them. They had a time to be alone when even they were traveling. So by the time D.L. Moody would get to the next city and be busy day after day after day with these great revivals that were going on crusades for weeks, he still had the downtime. And I don't want to say much more other than Dale Moody put on weight and he still died probably younger than he should have. My point simply being this, that we have to find a place where we can rest and recreate because it's never a waste of time. I'd like to share with you three thoughts and then we're going to close because I think you have enough there to sense that, yes, I need to know who I am and whose I am. I need to know what my, my purpose is in life and I need to know how to focus on the Lord and I need to have a continual conversation with Him and I need to break... But I think there's something here on the breaking away that might help you. Let me give you three that's helped Carol and me. And I still say that we are woefully short of this, but I think it might help. First of all, we need to divert daily. Something every day, if you can break away from whatever your schedule is, that you can do daily. Now, some of you are pretty good at that. You might even call that creative loafing. But find something that you can break away from the regular routine, whatever your routine is. Now, that doesn't mean, okay, that means I don't have to read my Bible today. No, that's after you've taken care of your spiritual habits. But you need to have that time on a daily basis. What do you have? 
I was talking to a person this morning about the value of having a hobby. Next is withdraw weekly. Uh, you know there's 10 commandments, the 10 big ones. The fourth of the 10 big ones was that we were to have a Sabbath. Now, I don't have time to open up the whole issue of Sabbath, and there are so many reasons for the Sabbath, and I'm not going to put us under the law, but I still believe that the concept is just as important for today, and that is that we do have a day that we're not encumbered by all the daily responsibilities or weekly responsibilities so that we can have a time just to refresh. And then number three, to abandon annually. I could say a lot about that. I think there are different styles of abandonment annually. You could call it a vacation. You can call it a time away. I think the question that you and your family need to have a serious time is that when you decide to go on your annual, call it whatever you want, holiday, that ask yourself this, is it really a time of relaxing and refreshment? Now, different people, hey, they want to go to the mountains and go snow skiing on the mainland. And for them, that charges their battery. Others want to sit on a beach that's not here in Hawaii. Others want to go visit family that they haven't seen in years. Others want to go on a cruise. Others want to go camping. Others want to do a staycation. On a personal note, they have never worked. Staycations have never... Whoever invented that had brain damage. But anyway, let me get back to this. The point simply being is that we need a daily diversion. We need this weekly time hopefully maybe even as much as a day, and an annual time that we can get away to abandon ourselves and we can come together as a family, as a couple, as a person and say again, without distraction, whose am I? Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? What's my focus? Am I hearing God? Am I listening to the Lord? Am I having my intimacy with Him? And do I have another little breakaway that recharges me spiritually but also physically? That recharges me also spiritually, physically, but socially and emotionally. Now folks, as a leader we have to do that. And um, <clears throat> I will say that our church is busy. And our church will probably get even busier as we continue to grow. Look at the crowd. There could come a time in our history that we might have to go to two services or add a Sunday evening service or something. And that's going to take a lot more energy, a lot more time, a lot more people. No, relax. That's why I'm giving you this message so that you also know how to say, no, that's not for me, but it is for the church, so go. But for me, this is what I need to do. And others are going to say, you know what? I feel like I need to do that, so I'm going to transition out of this and let someone else take that. But have your time alone with the Lord. Keep it first in your life. If you crowd him out, you've lost everything about leadership. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Just in case someone might have come in after we've greeted our guests and you're not certain of having eternal life, I just want you to know that God really loves you. And Jesus Christ was all about sacrifice. And when he went to the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago, he didn't just die for the sins of his disciples or the people who lived in history at that time, but he paid for the sin debt of everyone who lived before he came on this earth. He paid for all those who were living while he was on this earth. And he's paid for every sin of those that are alive here today and since he was here. 
So the sin ticket was paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross. It was satisfied by the Father. He smiled at the Son. Jesus said it was finished. And so now the work to get into heaven was already done by Christ because sin had to be paid for. So now he comes to us and he says, you don't have to work to get to heaven. There's not something that you have to start doing like more, 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 more good, 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 good works. There's nothing you can really give up because it's not about your lifestyle to get you into heaven. You just have to come just as you are as a sinner and say, Lord, you are the sacrificial leader. You went ahead of us. You paid the ultimate price. You'll forgive us of sin. And so, Lord, I want to trust you now as my Savior. I come to you as a broken person who is empty. And I cling to nothing that could help me to get into your forever family and have a relationship. I come to you just as I am. Yeah, Lord, I know I've done some pretty good things, but I also know that I'm not perfect. And I need a Savior. Nothing and no one can be my Savior but you. And so, Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm going to receive you as my Savior. Now, you can do that with confidence, my dear friends, because Jesus said, for God so loved the world, that's you, that he gave his only son himself on the cross, that if you would believe in him, not just a head knowledge knowing that he existed, but you're believing that he is the Lord, that he did die and rise again, and that salvation is by faith alone, and you are fully relying upon him and the work he did for you on the cross. He says, if you believe in him, you will not perish. Oh, our bodies will perish. But the real you, it will never perish. But you'll have everlasting life. Not when you die, you have everlasting life the moment that you receive Christ as your Savior by placing your faith in Him. So you could have that eternal life beginning today. Oh yes, you'll exist forever if you don't trust Christ. But you won't live forever. So is there anyone in here today that would say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the leader. He went to the cross. He paid the sin debt for me. And I'm receiving him as my savior. Now in a moment I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand if you're trusting Christ. When you do that, that's a silent way to indicate to me that today's the day you've entered into an eternal relationship with the greatest CEO, the King of Kings, and your savior by faith. And when you do, I'm going to pray for you. Now I won't come to you, I won't ask you to stand up or come forward, I won't embarrass you in any way. But I want to know you're trusting Christ. The alternative is horrible. It's absolutely horrible. Yes, you might have some time to make that decision. But I don't know how much time. And neither do you. What more information do you need now to make that decision to trust Christ? What is it? And whatever it is, what do you need? Come see me afterwards. And we'll sit down and together, let's just go on the journey together to Find out what it would take for you to place your faith in Jesus Christ. But if you've trusted Christ today, in here, never done it before, that's the one I want to pray for right now. Is there anyone in here by an uplifted hand that would silently indicate to me that you're trusting Christ and you'd like for me to pray for you? Would you put your hand up real high and then put it down? That's all. I just need to see your hand. Is there anyone else? Anyone else? All right. Our Father in heaven, I want to thank you for our faith family here. And I pray that you will raise up the greatest leaders of the 21st century out of this church. Father, I ask you to bless them. I ask you to transform them into great and godly leadership to all those that are around them. Beginning with their families, the places where they work, the people who go to school. I ask that you'll increase their influence for your glory on, in our world. 
I pray, Father, this week that they will have a clear understanding of what you made them to be and what they're living for and what's most important in their life. And then what you want them to accomplish with the giftedness and the personalities that you've given to them. Father, may they hear your voice in their mind through your word. May they see the incredible potential that there is when they get into a group that loves them just the way they are. And at the same time will speak into their life and it allow them to speak into theirs. A team, Father. I pray their family is that place and then beyond that. I pray that you may use them this week for your glory and help them become the leader like you. And so, Father, I pray that through all of this that we would be servant leaders influencing a world for you. In Jesus' name. This is Joe Pons, and I want to thank you for listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Clarity Christian College. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It's the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. That's makeitclear.org. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please email us at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. That's tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear.